BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. The show is brought to you by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Robots Radio presents The Fallout Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Wastelanders, Vault Dwellers, welcome back to the Fallout Lorecast. I have with me today a very important person, somebody who's going to help crack the code on what we have deemed to be a very particularly interesting question. With me today is Dave Chaffins, my good buddy from the Starfield Lorecast and many other projects like the Fallout Hub. Dave, welcome back to the show. It's great to be here. Thank you, Tom. I, uh, I'm looking forward to, to cracking the code. I have my stethoscope uh, and my safe cracking gloves ready. My lock picking tools are available, mm-hmm. um, and I'm pretty sure that I could come up with a, a screwdriver to use. You know, for if we're talking about cracking codes, picking locks. I've seen you make them just like on like a moment's notice. Yeah, I have that ability. Um, I have the ability to summon forth lock picking tools at whenever it, I deem it necessary. Um, like- and bobby pins don't weigh very much, so I you know, just keep this around. Yeah. Basically out of your butt. Um, so yeah, I, I'm glad that you've come prepared. So, uh, those of you who have tuned into the show before know Mr. Dave Chaffins of the internet and, um, my good buddy Dave and I were, were chatting the other day over discord and we, uh, we came about, uh, sorry about the dogs barking. This is what happens when we record during the day, but we were discussing the conver- the conversational topic as you do when you discuss things of fallouts in nature. And it came up, the question, a what if question. And so uh, I know we covered a bunch of what if questions back in December, but the question just happened to come up. What if the bombs never fell? I looked over your library of what if questions. And when you pitched me that you were going to do some what if stuff, I was thinking to myself, okay, it'd be interesting if like we originally did an episode of what if the, the vaults weren't actually bad? Like what if there Mm -hmm. wasn't actually experience? Yeah. After that episode, I thought to myself, okay, but what if the bombs never fall? Like Mm -hmm. what if, if the bombs never fall, do we just call it out instead of fall out? You know, (laughs) 
<laughs> just fall. No, there's no fall anymore. So. No, just out. <laughs> so they're just out. We're going to place them out. I mean, it is the seminal event in the history of the games, right? Like, if the wasteland never gets wasted, then it's just the land, right? Like, is yes. there a story to tell? And so, okay, so let's let's take us back to what makes Fallout different from the real world. It isn't just the fact that the bombs fall. The history diverges before that. So I think we both are aware of the history of things, and I've discussed this many times on the podcast. That's not the thing that makes this these games in this world different from our own world. So the, the history of things is already different by 2077. 2076, 2077, the time frame, the, the world is at war. The there's a conflict. There's an international conflict. There is a resource crisis. There is there. There's a virus raging across the human population. The development of the FEV is already a thing. Um, there's uh, syntax error in chat says uh, there's already no transistor technology. So there, the miniaturization of technology isn't a thing. Um, so here, let's let's frame this. OK, so the United States and China is already at war. They've been in conflict in Anchorage already. The United States has uh, subsumed Canada and Mexico. So that's happened on uh, the European front. Uh, Europe has basically kind of formed around the European group, which is now basically one super group of European nations. China is its own world power. Um, China has attacked Anchorage. The United States has repositioned military forces in China. And here we here we are. The powder keg is ready to get lit. And whoever it is that drops that first bomb, whether you believe it to be China or the U.S. or Vault-Tec or aliens or whatever, it never happens. That first explosive never gets sent into the air. Nobody sends that first sign or somebody stops it. And that never happens. Where, where do we go from there? What happens next? So I know you have some theories on this. So... Let's let's go into your first thoughts here. Like, what do you think is the next step in all of this? Yeah, I, it's interesting to, to a lot of the factions that we see in the games are um, continuations and kind of build off of these already existing factions within the world. Um, I mean, if we even go and look at uh, uh, the Institute, if we go and look at uh, Brotherhood of Steel, the mm -hmm. Enclave, Vault-Tec, like as you go down the line, all of these factions were active before the bombs fell. And I, and I think it's interesting to look through these different groups and figure out, okay, they were like, this group has formed. And the there bombs Evolutions changed. of things that already existed. The Enclave, like the, the U.S. government becomes the Enclave. The, uh, you know, CIT becomes the Institute. Um, right. The U.S. military in some form becomes the Brotherhood of Steel. Like these are that's what you're saying, right? Right, right. Um, the first my first question is. What's 
is there still a cold war? Like what kind of, and I mean, we're not political scientists here. We're not, you know, armchair analysts of fictional politics within the world and, and, and cold war analysts, but there is still a war going on. Um, between China and the United States within the, the Fallout games. So the bombs never drop. That doesn't change that fact. Right. And, and, and by this point, the, it's not really cold anymore. Like it is heated up. There, there mm-hmm. is armed conflict on both fronts. Like, yes, uh, the U.S. and China have now in some way or another sent uh, forces onto each other's soil. So now does that does that cool off in some way and then and does it cool back down and turn back into a Cold War potentially Um, or does it keep escalating? That could be a thing, too, without without going nuclear. It's when you look at history and and superpowers, um, the idea is is very based in um, the 1900s of what was the superpower of the United States in Russia during that time and how they affected things, how they uh, influenced other countries and exerted their control over situations. There was no winner, I guess, to the, like, there was no like big decisive battle that ended the cold war. It just, it just ended in general, but there were heated moments with the Korean war, with the um, Mm -hmm. war in Vietnam that were, influenced by the uh, political setting of the United States and Russia. So my thought is if you're having this giant war with, with China, I think that war actually continues on Uh, it's in the DNA of fallout. The war never changes. Um, And in this case, it really doesn't. Um, Right. Does it become like a spot? thing does it become like uh minor conflicts in specific locations based on the resources or the 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 value of those locations so for example anchorage being a location that's primed with oil becomes a a point of conflict or a specific location in china that might be a, a prime location for intelligence becomes a point of conflict rather than like let's amount let's amass you know millions of soldiers and just have a you know world war one style you know just a bunch of trenches and stuff do, do you think maybe that's we end up with just kind of these spot locations of like groups just kind of going in what back and forth i think you're gonna have proxy wars um where other like you're going to have wars in other countries over resources that China and the United States would have investments in um, mm-hmm. that, that would have a side that they favor and want to win because of deals that they made. Um, it, it mirrors a lot of um, the war in the Middle East of um, the, the war on terror. A lot of these like modern issues. I think that that's the back end of that. Um, as we come out of it, we have, of course, like, the Korean war, um, war in Vietnam, but then the issues get more granular and granular as you go along when you're talking about resource wars or territories or control. Um, I, I think that things start to cool down. I think an Anchorage, um, war was pretty heavy. I mean, that's like home turf for America at that point. Um, that's like us going and marching in China and fighting in China. China, like when you have that level of war, things typically tend to to butterfly effect, but also scale down um, as years progress. So I don't I don't think that war 
the war continues in the regard of I invade you, you invade me, but probably we both have our interests. We're both moving them throughout the world and, and having these proxy wars. So these are kind of like warning shots. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is like the, Hey, this is what we're capable of. Don't push it any further. And then we respond and then things kind of cool off and then they, it turns into more proxy wars and other locations. But like, okay, let's just, well, we can fight in some other place, but just don't hit our soil again. That kind of thing. Right. Okay. So what about the other groups? What about, you know, groups like Vault-Tec or like, well, let's talk, let's talk about Vault-Tec. They've, they've created yeah. all these vaults and yet there's no need for them because the bombs don't fall. What, what does Vault-Tec end up doing? Because, uh, you know, they created a bunch of bunkers. They also invented a lot of technology. They've got this deal with the United States government. Do you think they keep on pushing the vault agenda? I don't think that vault tech goes away. Actually. Um, I think that it be, it was never like from the public perception, it was never meant to be a very serious thing. That's why people really didn't take clearly in fallout four when the vault tech representative comes, you're like, all right, dude, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, all right, whatever well, you yeah. want. Yeah. Uh, and, really and, to me. and you're a, you're a, you served in the military. You're somebody who was close to the conflict and you're still like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Right. I, I think that it would then morph probably into kind of a pyramid scheme um, where people would be like, Oh, I own my, my bed in this vault and that's very luxurious and almost <laughs> like attaching the value to it. Um, uh-huh. I so own an it, NFT it, of my bed <laughs> in a vault. That's a, that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I own this imaginary <laughs> land um, that is in a vault in this mountain um, that my, that's where I'm investing my money into. Um, I own so a square come, foot inside a vault that I can stand in just in worst in a worst case scenario next to every other person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can come into my I have other beds that I have bought, but I can sell them to you uh, <laughs> so that you can be a part of my community that I'm having in in the vault that I bought space in. Yeah, but, right. Right. But then since the bombs would never fall, those were never like they would have been depreciated by then and they would never been used. So like it would still be around, I would say, but like the beanie babies, probably, this is like the yes. beanie baby trend. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so they would just be a part, it would be like a moment in time where vault tech was a big thing. Um, because they did all that like promotion and marketing around like, like the, uh, tricentennial, uh, 2076, uh, the vault 76, they did the big unveiling of that unveiling of all of these different areas. And so I think then they're trying to get people to buy into that idea that they need vaults. So I think that you're going to see a lot of propaganda that's saying, Hey, they could bomb us at any time. Like this could happen at any time. You may not be aware but it could happen and we're selling the property for that. Right. Okay. So let's, let's take this in another direction. I want, I want to save the discussion about the brotherhood of steel to the second half of the show, because I think that's really, really interesting. Um, But uh, I also think that there's a lot here to chew on when it comes to vault tech, the connection to the government and then the enclave, like the, the highest echelons of the people pulling the strings, because if the bombs haven't dropped and the highest people up top have decided not to do that, to not use that as a way to manipulate people into vaults or whatever, do the executives at vault tech 
go another route or do they start really pushing the government to like push the population towards this idea or do they do they go another route? like do they come up with some other alternate plan do they i mean there's the science angle too right do they start right. petitioning the government to um focus on the studies and running the studies in the vaults without necessarily getting people to go into the vaults because of because of the need of bombs but starting to go you know like hey let's let's start finding volunteers let's just move people into the volunteer into the vaults for the scientific purposes and then if the bombs drop we can just use them for what their original purpose was but why don't we just start testing on people and we don't even have to tell the population we're doing it why don't we just like start doing it secretly secretively kind of like what they were doing at mariposa because they were already doing that before the before the war happened before well the bombs dropped i think it's in their capability to do that and it, it gives me a thought of would it not be in vault tech's realm of of um of experimentation to tell people and give out the alert that the bombs are falling and you need to get into the vault when they're not actually happening so they could get a whole town of people in there against you know, with false information that the bombs are indeed falling and then start doing some experiments. That seems like it's up their alley. Right. Like a like a false alarm out in the middle of nowhere, like, you know, Saskatchewan yes. or something like somewhere in, the, in a little village in the middle of nowhere where like 90 percent of the population has signed up for the vault where nobody's going to miss anybody. And, you know, there, there's a population of like 300 people. And it's like, well, we got that whole town in the vault, so let's just go ahead and start running some uh, experiments on them. Nobody's going to know. Yeah, I could totally see that. I could totally see that being a thing. Um, so what do you think about the Enclave then? Do you think, I mean, we already know that there was kind of a who's who pulling the strings on the upper side of the government right the uh the highest levels in the government the uh the mr houses the the smartest of the scientists the highest level ceos like everybody and anybody who were were kind of the the connected who's who's in the world were on some level already talking about the potential for the end of the world and they were making plans and a lot of those people had connections with vault tech with secret vaults with plans for what would happen if things went down and a lot of those people ended up becoming the enclave later on do you think those people are still going to be influencing things on the top end of the government do you think that the the government continues, the American government specifically, continues to become more and more corrupt over time and influenced by those people? I think that the Enclave would play off of the fear, like almost kind of living in this constant threat of nuclear annihilation, because that's what that's what it was like. That's why they built the vaults. Um in the first place and then it was followed through on but in a in a scenario where the vaults didn't fall i think that they would be able to exert more influence and power over people with the constant fear that a nuclear war would break out at any point mm -hmm. so i think that they would still be in control of that narrative but i don't know if they're 
if that doesn't happen and let's say that they had they had no plans of that to happen i don't know if they would follow through with that given the given the choice they obviously did yeah. maybe they shot first i don't know who shot first han or Greedo, but <laughs> right right in the game it happened outside of it i'm not sure i'm not sure what's what's better for a you know this kind of oligarch evil oligarchy of well it's the fascist playbook i mean this is right. this is the recipe of the fascist playbook is uh constantly vie for power come up with a uh, a boogeyman that you can mm-hmm. motivate everybody to be fearful f- from uh convince everybody that you are the only ones who have the solution to stopping the boogeyman right convince everybody Mm -hmm. that the other anybody who dissents from you the other political side of the aisle whoever that is are you know completely incapable and against stopping the boogeyman or are on their side or whatever oh they're pro china or whatever right like and you know just completely pulling the wool over anybody's heads and then if anybody within your side if you know every anybody on your side of the political aisle dissents from you is to then you know sabotage them by calling them you know out and saying like oh they're against this or whatever um right like this this is the recipe for fascism um this this whole thing works really well in this scenario, because the enclave, the the who's who are are now in a in kind of a intellectual um, or rhetorical arms race for for power amongst themselves. And, and th- now in a situation like this, every situation like this historically eventually implodes because there's there's no actual solution it's just an arms race to the top and then this is the whole system falls apart so how long does that last you know that that becomes the question is like does that eventually does that go on for 50 years and then eventually right. the government collapses in on itself you know i like, think it's almost like a a, a um post post apocalypse like where or maybe a pre-apocalypse state where like you, you have such big institutions and everything is corrupt. And so like, it is just like empty to its core and rotting. Uh, Essentially you have like a a rotting, like, like social system at this point. Um, And the, the bombs kind of wipe it clean. And so continuing that on, it has to change somehow. There has to be a change eventually, um, you know, they, they can continue it for however many years, but eventually there's going to be an end to that intellectual war that you were talking about. Right. Well, and we do know that um, before the bombs dropped that the the costs of everything were skyrocketing. The mm-hmm. average uh, income versus the cost of living was extremely imbalanced, like all of these things in the system were, were falling apart. Um, so do do we see revolution in this scenario? Do the bombs never drop? But what we see in the U.S. system is eventually the people rebel. Does the system fall apart from the inside? And so we end up with a wasteland that is uh, created not from nuclear apocalypse, but from internal revolution. I I think... uh... In the second part of the episode, I think we'll talk some about the Brotherhood of Steel. But from this perspective, you already have socialist uprisings across America. That's one of the big things Fallout yeah. 76 points out. Right. Um, like, do those the, become bigger? 
do they get do they gain more steam you know let's say let's say you go 20 30 50 years into the future and it and it, and it also begs the question back to it of did the enclave decide that they were done for soon and decide to drop those bombs like was is that when you think about the scenario where they didn't drop you kind of like once you put enough thought into it, you're like okay well the enclave can't last like they can't be a thing they can't continue down this path because they're going to be eventually voted out or or just killed right right yeah i mean it, it, it just goes back to that concept of you know a fascist system implodes eventually and anybody mm-hmm. who's smart enough like a fascist system and i'm gonna i'm gonna get reviews from people who are like oh you're talking too much about the real world stuff this was like thinly veiled and believe me this is not a thinly veiled conversation where i'm trying to point out things this is just the way these things work and if you've studied history this is the way these things work because this is the way these things work there's no other way that this stuff ever plays out we've we've seen multiple examples of this throughout history and this is just the way this stuff is um a, a i mean fascist- this is this is what happened to the ussr was there was an oligarchy in control um it no longer was a, a communist country it was a oligarchy that was veiled as communism and it corrupted itself into a new country right correct corruptive systems eventually implode and then there's some sort of revolution that comes up from the ground up now what that turns into ultimately is decided by the culture and the people who come to power afterwards it's not always a good result like all of that stuff is up in the air but a corrupt system will implode from the inside oftentimes you know, we it's it's hard to tell which direction that's going to go, but that's just the nature of, of these systems. Um, but like in, in this kind of scenario in the United States, you know, who knows, like these these social groups that we're forming could take it in any direction. Like if those social groups are corrupt in, a, in and of themselves, then we might end up with just as bad of a system replacing the system that was there, right? If they're misinformed, then they could replace the system with something that's equally misinformed. If they are well-informed and they bring about a new democratic system, then maybe we have something rising from the ashes. I mean, that's one of the brilliance brilliant points of our you know the forefathers of our american system is that they were educated enough to build a new system that has stood for a few hundred years and has been a model for many other systems around the world but that's not always the case you know so it's right. it's it's just it's a grab bag and it has to deal it has to do with how well educated you are um and the irony of ignorance is that People who are more ignorant think they're more educated, <laughs> but you know, so there's, you never right. know. <laughs> and, and I mean, when you think about another country like France or something, I mean, you think about how many revolutions they had and it took them, it took them a long time to get what, you know, the, the super developed and wonderful country that they are today. But I mean, really the yeah. 1800s era, I mean, that there was just, they were popping off left and right. I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, again, it could have gone in either direction. And mm-hmm. at one point they had, you know, the whole Napoleon era and they became a conquering empire, you know, like you never know. Um, so I think that's a good point that we could pause and go thank our patrons before we move on to the brotherhood of steel, because the brotherhood of steel system moving in the wrong direction could turn into a Napoleonic empire. 
if taken in the wrong direction. So why don't we pause? We'll talk to our uh, patrons and we'll be right back. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, a bunch of other items. It is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out. Click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, MAXPOOL. Don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. All right, so here we are in the middle of the show. I hope you guys are enjoying this conversation because it, it's going all sorts of different directions. But here we are to thank our new patrons. Holy moly, we've got four new patrons this last month. Uh, Stephen wow. P, Nova D, Nick C, and Stuttering GM. Thank you for signing up. You guys are amazing. Uh, man, I didn't expect four new patrons right at the beginning of the month. And that means we're up to 50 50 patrons thank you to every one of you guys um and if we've done anything to help you get through your work day your work week your workout your drive to work i probably repeated something in there and uh or taking your dog to the vet to remove stitches because your dog had little bumps and you don't want your dog to have cancer but i got the results from the test of those little bumps that they set sent out to the other uh, doctor doctor to check out the little you know put it under the microscope and take little a look bumpies, at the yeah. little cells yeah. and yeah. the that doctor said that they've never seen cells come back that were so good like right. they looked so good like they, i mean they definitely looked weird when they got them cut out but they were like super clean and like fine so some would say it is a perfect cell um, that's a Dragon Ball Z reference uh, that is not for this audience, but it's there. It's out there for people to grab. I am I am perfect. I don't can't do a cell voice. I don't know. Um, but uh, it's been a long time since I've watched that show. Uh, mm. But yeah, so she's doing great. She doesn't have to wear a little cone head anymore. But anyway, uh, back to Patreon. If, if you'd like to help support the show, go check out patreon.com slash. What is the name of the show? Fallout Lorecast. Fallout Lorecast. <laughs> I do too many shows. And there are um, all sorts of different tiers. You can get ad-free episodes. You can join us on future episodes of the show. You can get t-shirts, special t-shirts made just for patrons. You can get stickers. There's all sorts of fun stuff on there. So go check it out. And um, thanks to you guys, I can do this as a full-time thing, as part of what I can do as a career. And I absolutely love you for it because you guys have changed my life so thank you so much and go check that out also we've got two new reviews to read out real quick we have um oh man these are international one from great britain and one from australia this one is from bell sr2 in great britain who wrote so glad i found this five stars stumbled on this podcast after seeing an ad on oh wait no that's mass effect what am i doing i'm reading the wrong ones do we have new ones i don't for- i don't know that's- what 
I I clearly prepped this show really what well. What if Tom forgot the name of the show? What if what if what if I just did the Mass Effect Lorecast instead of the Fallout Lorecast right now? That's a great April Fool's Day situation that you could you could totally totally do totally do actually we don't have any new uh <laughs> ratings or we have no no new reviews so if you do listen on apple podcasts or you have an apple account and want to leave us a rating or review and you give us five stars and some words we'll read it out on a future episode of the show and those help a ton and if you're one of our like 50 percent of our listeners who actually listen on spotify which is most of you guys probably so uh, it's more than 50 percent then just take a moment Go to the part where you can scroll all the way up to the top and you can see all the different episodes and you'll see a little thing at the top left where you can choose the number of stars. And if you give us a five star rating, it helps a ton because Spotify will rank things by rating now when you search stuff. So that would help an absolute absolute ton. It just takes a second to do it and you will have my eternal gratitude because like a glowing one, I will live forever. That's not true, but I will be gracious about it all right let's move on with the rest of the show and thanks to our patrons bye if you have any questions about nuka world i'd be delighted to answer them all right so this is probably one of the most interesting things about this whole question about if the bombs were never dropped if the bombs never fell because when you and i were discussing this the question about the brotherhood came up and of course, on first thought, there's like, okay, if the bombs don't fall, the Brotherhood of Steel doesn't happen. And then I was like, wait a minute, the Brotherhood, Maxon gets the idea for the Brotherhood when he discovers that they are doing testing on soldiers at Mariposa before the bombs drop. Like the impetus for forming the Brotherhood happens before the bombs drop. Yes. And let's take it even a step further. You still have super mutants. Yes. Super mutants are still a thing. Right. They're messing. They're messing with soldiers before the bombs drop. So in a non post-apocalyptic wasteland world, there would exist Maxon revolting against the military and totally messed up soldiers like messed up super soldiers that are basically super mutants now does that mean the master exists in some capacity from fallout one do we get like a messed up super mutant who turns into the master in some way do we get i mean maybe that one's kind of a stretch but but we get intelligent super mutants probably we get we get Maxon wanting to push back against the U.S. government and forming a group to do so. Now, that doesn't necessarily become somebody who goes free ranging around the wasteland and collecting stuff that probably goes that probably goes more into the territory of like, you know, vindictive ex soldier sticking it to the government. So what like what does that become? What do you think, Dave? I think you still have the Brotherhood of Steel. I think that um, the 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 call out that Maxon made with 
the other folks that were under his command um after the bomb he kind of like to take over the to take over the military uh the mariposa base yes um he takes that over and then he kind of like calls all of his old buddies and it's like hey um they're doing some really messed up things on these soldiers and making these crazy super soldiers Mm -hmm. so those calls are still going out so not only do you have a brotherhood of steel you're having a brotherhood of steel that's way more connected um because he would know a lot more people because nobody dies from bombs so do we um, have like be- a national like or at least like a western or like insurrection in california do we have like a mass group that stands up against the government and, and the government tries to put down i think that you would see an, an occupation of probably the mariposa base um because they would want to destroy or protect that space as a bargaining chip, but also destroy it eventually because it is an affront to um, the U.S. military and what they believe the U.S. military to be. So you're having essentially this resistance form from ex-military and ex-military resistance. Meanwhile, a social uprising from the working class um, and unions. Meanwhile, the Enclave probably has control of these super mutants in some form or fashion. So you're still having a domestic dispute between the Brotherhood of Steel and super mutants if the bombs never fell. Mm-hmm. Like, now, you th- also that has to be the case. Now, he's also made it semi public like this call out goes to other military bases and individuals this isn't just like a private thing that happens in one location like he puts an announcement out over the radio so this isn't something that the government can just hush hush this it becomes something that if the bombs don't fall and destroy communication and of course the lives of makes makes everything else kind of null this becomes something that that the nation will find out about which means that if the government comes in and clamps down on this with a heavy hammer and even kills Maxon, he could become a martyr, which means that you could have other people standing up across the country for the thing that he died for, Mm -hmm. which could become even more powerful than what actually happens with the Brotherhood here. Would you have now? Here's the question. Would you have eventually if the Brotherhood um, does their uprising, if they collaborate with the right people, would you have what I call the steel states of America. Maybe like what if there was a what if there was a civil war? What if what if you had enough groups, military groups come together and say, we will not stand for this. This is not what the America that I signed up to to fight for. And the people with them, you know, the common, you know, non-military members of, of the those groups, um, the you know the social groups who are now standing up against the government, the the working class, the, the everyone else, and they divide from the rest of the country. Then very potentially, you could have the the steel states of America breaking off. You know, like what if the the country is divided? Now, there's a whole other side to this. Mariposa is not the only place where the FEV is being tested. And we know this from Fallout seventy six. There are labs in Appalachia where the FEV is is being tested. There are labs in the Commonwealth. There are labs in the um, Capital Wastes 
There are other locations across the country where FEB has already been distributed and is being tested. So the super mutants are not only going to be pouring out of the Mariposa military base, there will be all sorts of abominations if if this isn't handled correctly coming out of different locations as well. And so now you potentially have the danger of those those locations if they're not handled correctly leaking out in actual like regular urban environments not wasteland urban environments in all sorts of other regular places so you could be like going shopping on a saturday and then all of a sudden there's like a snallygaster that comes around the corner because it just like broke out of containment I, I think that that it goes to show that mutations and how and how powerful those are uh, when you take nuclear radiation out of it, it's still a scary thing. Like it is still a a threat. Um, it, it, that goes back to the like the decaying world that would that would still kind of exist, where you have these like mutants running around. You have this. Uh, uprising for the military uprising from a lot of the labor unions uh, just in america itself you have this resource war that's still going on um it, it is a, it is a system that cannot sustain itself mm-hmm. uh, and if the bombs never drop probably america is is as as we know it in fallout is no longer a thing um, they probably are the losers in the big war and <laughs> the end. Um, they, they kind of like how Russia or the USSR stopped existing. Um, I think that that would happen to America in this scenario. Yeah, they kind of fall apart under their own weight. The other mm-hmm. thing on top of all of this is that when there's enough social socioeconomic stress, individuals start to deal with psychological dilemmas. So in this kind of scenario, you would have an increase of just people who are dealing with like psychotic episodes, (laughs) you know, like all sorts of terrible things. So what happens when, and, and these are the stories of fallout already are like people in the wasteland doing terrible things because they're just like freaking out because they're just, you know, they can't handle it. But what if those same kinds of people are freaking out in a modern world and they're the people who are running the labs testing the FEV and they decide, you know what, I'm just going to start abducting people and putting them in my basement and start testing on them. You know, like you're going to end up with those same kinds of stories that would happen in the wasteland, but in these urban environments. And now we end up with like even crazier scenarios. Um, or I'm just going to take the FEV and just put it in the water supply of, right. you know, the city I live in with a hundred and, you know, one and a half million inhabitants. When bigger things are happening, things tend to slip through the cracks. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that that is, that is something that, that often happens when there is something that is, that is world changing. I think that, um, there are also things that we, we as a collective humanity miss, um, and I think that this is one of those things where you have 13 things probably happening at once. Um, the, the, the day after like the bombs don't fall, 
you're having these massive life-changing um, situations happening, you're, there is more of a gray area. And so you would have those strange stories as well right. uh, that, that, that may crop up. Right. So, all right. So to kind of bring this around to some other later questions, kind of wrap up the episode. What about somebody like Mr. House? I, I've given this some thought, and if we think about like modern billionaires and what and, and what that means, and how they, how they protect their assets, because that was Mr. House's whole goal was to protect his Vegas, to protect his um, his own life, and the you know the things that he's invested in. Essentially, mm-hmm. I think that you see his Securitron still be a thing. Mm-hmm. I think that you see almost. If there is an uprising, Mr. House is probably going to get in on it and establish Vegas as like, be like, hey, this is my town. Like, you don't come in here. I don't bother you. You don't bother me. You're all disorganized. I am way more organized than you are. Um, yeah, I'm smarter than you. I, if he can lock it down in the wasteland with a bunch of rowdy gangs and raiders and stuff, then he could probably still lock it down in this scenario. Right. Because he made he made his platinum chip before the uh, the bombs dropped. It just got lost or what or you know whatever yeah. whatever right whatever the the fate of it was. But he was prepared to have these secure trunks come and be the the uh, the workforce for him, uh, and he would probably last for for years and years and years and years because his scope is small. And his technology would probably grow that would that allows him to stay alive because, you know, technological advancements kind of stopped once the bombs fell. Um, mm-hmm. I think that you start to see a lot of private corporations take over as the emerging sciences, right. uh, like his General Atomics or Poseidon Energy or that kind of stuff. So you think his advancements out- would go faster? His, his advancements would go faster. Yeah. Um, he would probably be the one developing um, the, the kind of futuristic technology uh, that, that we would expect from, you know, uh, e- even our own visions of what the future would be from like a, a Blade Runner or a yeah. cyberpunk. So while the U.S. government is dissolving, he might actually be building a city state that actually survives and thrives out in Vegas Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the U.S. government and the, the America steel or whatever are, are fighting it out. And he's <laughs> steel he's, states, the steel states. And he's building out like a like a, a city state out there that, that people are like now flocking to because he's got the technology. He's got the resources to actually make a thing that actually works. And he doesn't have to deal with democracy. He's just making decisions and making stuff happen. I could totally see that. Um, right. And and let's take that idea of technology moves faster through a system like his where he can he just has the resources and the know how to make that stuff work. What about what about CIT? What about the Institute? What about synths? Do, do we get synths sooner? Because it took I, it took like 200 years ish in a in a wasteland situation to get synths up and running. Does that happen way faster in this kind of scenario i think it does i think it happens way faster i think that that you are more likely to see a west world 
a, a nuke, <laughs> nuka world, but it's West world. Nuka West world. Um, <laughs> that's, that's my pitch for, for today. Uh, I think that's what I think that's what you'd see. Um, you would see the synthetics probably be made faster. Uh, if if we how they could be used if we draw on some of the concepts we talked about. I mean, imagine a proxy war fought by synthetics. Like yeah. that is an, that's an interesting kind of thing. It's it's almost like a, a Star Wars situation where you have this like built army of of robots or of um, synthetics where they have like they're thinking and feeling as well. And there's the whole issue with all of that. What do they do? Who has control of them? Um, mm-hmm. What does that look like in in that future? I think it's all wild to think about yeah why send in a bunch of soldiers and power armor when you could send in a bunch of synths and yep. they're probably cheaper to make and train than soldiers and power armor right that makes sense or would the brotherhood of steel allow synthetics right like would that be something that they allow to continue right in a, a world that doesn't destroy itself maybe maybe not maybe they feel the same way about synths that they do about supermutants. or when you're trying to put down a bunch of uh you know socialist rebels why send in humans when you can send in a bunch of tank, uh, synths to take them all out? You know that uh, I, I could see uh, the U.S. government or the enclave or whoever getting down on that idea and working with CIT in order to develop that as fast as possible in order to try to maintain control mm-hmm. for the U.S. government, which is continuing to implode. Um, man, man, this is dark. This is a dark, dark future. <laughs> It's 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 interesting because it's 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 not like you would think that it would be less terrible, but it is even more terrible in, <laughs> in some, some ways. ways. Yeah, because of the universe that is Fallout, it was already terrible. Like the, the bombs are just the at the bombs almost helped. <laughs> like, right, right. They almost uh, they fixed a lot of the a lot of these like issues that we're talking about. They did, you know there was uh, of course a loss of life in the in these games, but it's it's interesting it it creates it creates a world where all of the systems in it are doomed like they are past due they are like rotten milk sitting out right the system is rotten milk that's my um that's my election phrase i'm gonna say when i you know run for (laughs) county clerk i don't know yeah 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 it's all yeah it's all just like rotten fruit and Mm -hmm. the bombs just stripped away the outer coating is all they did yeah but the whole thing is just rotten um man this is this has been a really cool episode i'd be very interested to hear what you guys think about this uh please yeah you know shoot us some thoughts on the robots radio discord on the fallout lorecast channel and tell us your thoughts or of course you can send me a note on the uh on the twitter uh robots underscore radio on twitter uh dave i know you've got a really cool project that you've been working on you've got a new show i tell do me I, uh, I've been doing a uh, show called Rad Rolls. It's a TTRPG podcast where we play the official Fallout role-playing game. It that sounds is awesome. A, it is a lot of fun. It is in an original setting. Uh, I've taken New Orleans and kind of put it in the Fallout world. Uh, we did a Fallout Hub recently where we talked about what's the setting that we would want to see a Fallout game in. Uh, and it was New Orleans, I think, was the winner of that. And yeah. so yeah. I thought... Well, why don't we just try to do this with a with a tabletop RPG? And I decided I wanted to play a game of it. And then I decided, well, why don't we why don't we just like put it out as a podcast and then and, and people can enjoy along the way. So the first three, maybe four episodes of that are out. Uh, we're doing weekly episodes. They come out on Friday. 
Uh, they're about 50 minutes long. Um, we have uh, party members from all over the fall canon. Uh, we got a guy from that's from the Capital Wasteland. We've got somebody that's from the NCR. Uh, we have a guy that's local to New Orleans. We have a vault dweller coming into the episode. The vault dweller is, is hilarious because normally we see uh, the vault dwellers from the player perspective, but this vault dweller is from a vault where um, everything that the vault was trying to test on was trying to make a better American. And so they have given them a bunch of false American history. Um, and they are just obsessed with being the best American they can, they can be like Abraham um, Washington. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's some interesting, interesting tidbits from a lot of the different cast members that we have playing characters. Um, it, it, it's, it's a really, really interesting take on it and kind of takes fallout and, and, and turns things like what are cars like in fallout? Like mm -hmm. obviously they <laughs> explode when you shoot them, but what does a car look like in this scenario and setting? Uh, it's been really fun and you can get it on all the different podcast services. It's rad rolls. It'll say fallout tabletop role-playing. Um, nice. and it's every Friday we put an episode out. Awesome. Yeah. Go check that out. Syntax in chat says, is, is it the one from Modifius or is it a different role-playing system? It is the one we're playing Modifius. It's the 2d 20 system that they run. Um, it's the official one. I've got the book right here. This is a great podcast content as I hold it <laughs> as up. Hold up. It's the blue uh, one. It's the blue one with the big the uh, blue one. logo on the, on the cover. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool. Up. Yeah, go check that out. And um, you and I have another Starfield Lorecast episode that we will be doing on Friday. Mm -hmm. We're trying to do a few of those every month as we get closer and closer to some more official uh, information coming out later this year. I think E3 is yeah. when everyone's expecting us to start really getting some real info out. And then that podcast will become much more of a regular, regular thing. We're just kind of doing some episodes here and there as we get closer and closer. Um, and we will be talking about some of the uh, some of the locations, some of the cities and things that we have gotten a little bit of a glimpse of some little bits of information, mm -hmm. plus some secrets that have been dug up and figured out by the community about Starfield. There's uh, people have been digging even deeper into the little bits of information that we've seen in the trailers and stuff. Some, some really cool stuff. So tune into that a little snack, a little snack on little, the bits, little snack. Um, there's, there's definitely some cool little things people have figured out so far. So I want to get you guys as much as we can, as much as we know, as soon as we know it. So tune into that. It'll be on Friday. Uh, it'll be live, of course, on the Robots Radio channels on YouTube and and Twitter and not Twitter. It'll actually, no, it'll be on Twitter. I stream on Twitter and, and Twitch. And yeah, there's too many TW names. And um, you can, of course, get that on whatever you're listening to this show on. Just search the Starfield Lorecast. And of course, I stream every night of the week. Uh, in fact, tonight I'll be playing Skyrim with my mom. Uh, that's the we're recording this on Tuesday. That's on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights. I am now role playing. Uh, New Vegas with uh, the community and that goes up on this feed in between the regular episodes kind of a bonus thing and all sorts of other fun stuff so come hang out with me on the live streams and um, you know all sorts of fun things and of course there's all the shows on robotsradio.net for all the different shows on the network so that's what we got going on Dave thank you for joining me again this has been super fun well thank you for having me Tom and uh Guys, until next time, stay safe out there. And if the bombs don't drop, then still figure out a way to stay safe in, in the not wasteland because it's still going to be terrible. Ugh. All right. See you later. Bye, everybody.
plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Also, look up the Robots Radio YouTube for videos about Fallout and other things. And check us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash robotsradio. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.